Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, our guest is Rodney Miller. Thanks for being on the show, Rodney. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I was uh, pleased to meet Rodney in Denver a few weeks back and were able to have lunch together and, and learn a lot about him and what he's doing in real estate. And I was very impressed at just how he's getting into this business and knew he'd be a great guest that can relate to many of the listeners. But he's an active real estate investor with over 200 transactions since 2003. He's CEO of a chain of medical clinics in Oklahoma City. He owns and manages over 100 single-family homes. He's a key principal and sponsor in 284 multifamily units. He's also a passive investor in 305 multifamily units. So thanks again for being on the show. You obviously have experience in many different parts of the real estate industry. And uh, you know now that you're in syndication as well, and you've been on the passive side and active side. So just pleased to have you on the show. Give the listeners just a little more about yourself, background, and, and uh, you know what you're doing in real estate now. Sure. So I've been in real estate since 2003. I've been an entrepreneur for quite a while. When I was 27, I bought a medical clinic and started branching off and I still have the medical clinics. So I kind of split my time between real estate and the medical clinics. Medical clinics take about 20% of my time, real estate, the other 80%. And that adds up to about probably 25, 30 hours a week. So it's a pretty good deal. So got into real estate. I was about 40 years old, realized I didn't have a retirement, kind of started freaking out. You know, I had three kids and starting to get a little older. My dad retired when he was 55. So I could see that age coming quick and kind of had a little freak out and decided I need to figure out something out. So I, I joined Homevestors, uh, the franchise. We buy the houses and uh, they taught me how to buy houses. And since that time, I've been, I've wholesaled deals. I've flipped some houses, not a big fan of flipping houses, but did some wholesales. And then decided, Later on, the, the way to wealth was to buy and hold. So I started buying and holding houses. Got about 100 houses now that, that I'm just working on getting paid off. Bought and sold no, notes, mortgages, loaned money, hard money lending, done it all. So just recently, about two years ago, I started to learn multifamily. So I started reading books and, and attending seminars for multifamily and trying to get educated on the ins and outs of multifamily syndication. And that's where I'm at today, man. Just trying to... Uh, Figure that game out, man. Multifamily is a whole other animal. When you're coming from single family homes, you got to really rethink things and really uh, shift your focus and learn a whole different aspect of real estate investing. You know, I appreciate just you buying that medical clinic at age 27. At a very young age, you know, becoming that entrepreneur and just that entrepreneurial mindset. I, I really like that. And, and it's neat to see like you develop that business and obviously it's successful. You're, you've kept it going, the uh, medical clinics and, and grown that. But then you're able to jump into a different business and able to to make it happen as well. And I feel like that just reiterates the importance of mindset, just the mindset change from employee to entrepreneur. Would you agree? Absolutely. And I've always known I went, I make a terrible employee. I went to college and I worked for about five years as, a, as an insurance claims adjuster. And I was terrible at my job. Didn't want to be there, sat in a cubicle and just dreamed of ways to get out of it. <laughs> so one day a buddy of mine was a chiropractor and getting out of school and he didn't have any direction. And I was like, hey man, I know the business end of it. Let's partner up. And that was my my leaping off point, getting out of the corporate world and got rid of the suit and tie and and was really happy to do it. And so I always knew when I was younger, right? I just didn't want to 
I didn't want to work for it, be a cog in a wheel for a big corporation. So I think some people know right away that that's what they want. And some people, it takes a while to figure it out. I always knew that I didn't want to do that. It was just kind of a way to get started. I started with corporate in the corporate world, but wanted to get out really quick. And since 27, 54 now, it's been a great ride. I love being self-employed. It's just a, it's nothing better. It's true freedom. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So, so you started seeing that, okay, I don't have a retirement plan. And I think a lot of people that self-employed, I mean, they don't, right? I mean, because you don't have this thing that's kind of already done for you. When you're in the corporate world, you know, you're kind of made to put this money aside every check, right? And those people just kind of rely on that, I think, or assume that that's going to be there and that it's going to be enough to support them when they're ready to hit that retirement age, you know, when we're all think that we should retire. But so at 40, you know, it hits you that, wait a minute, I need to do something, right? I've got the kids. And, and so what was it that, you know, that gave you the confidence to jump into real estate, you know, right then? The clinic thing went pretty well for me. And I, you know, I was well into that. I'd always wanted to do real estate. You know, I remember seeing the old Carlton Sheets late night TV, learn to do real estate. There's always something in the back of my mind that I, I thought I could do and I thought I'd be successful at. Wish I had started a lot earlier than that. I see these guys at these conferences that are in their 20s starting real estate. And uh, man, I would kill to be able to go back and, and start earlier. You know what I'm saying? It's just so cool that these young kids are getting into this and they're doing so well with it and they're starting at a young age. But no, I just, it's always something I want to do and start reading books on it. And it didn't seem like that tough of a thing to do. You know, when you see the TV commercials, stuff like that, it looks like very unachievable, very difficult. And you wonder if it's true, if you can really do it. And, but once you start studying, it's really not a big deal. It's just, uh, just got to learn the fundamentals and go out and, and take action. Yeah. So you jumped into the single family homes and you, you said you flipped homes for a while. And I'm sure you learned a lot. You educated yourself a lot through that. But then you, you figured out, okay, you know, I, I'm just creating another job here. Then you went into the buy and hold, correct? Yeah. Flipping houses, then went into wholesaling, which was, was cool. We picked up the volume and we, we would just get houses under contract, sell the contracts real easy. Once again, it's a job. You're working. You're working hard. I mean, you're, you got to work on your advertising, your call centers to take the phone calls. There's contracts involved. You're buying, you're selling. It's a full-time job. And so, uh, naturally, want to look at something that's a little more passive. And uh, I don't know, if, you know, rentals are a little more passive, but they're still not passive. I think when you're an investor, you, you're always looking. It's like the the cash flow quadrant. You're always looking to get more and more passive as you get older, and you want to move from working your butt off in the job to becoming a, a business owner to eventually just becoming an investor, where you're investing in other people's deals and letting them do all the heavy lifting. And that's kind of where I'm shifting my focus. That's awesome. So. But you moved from the flipping and the wholesale, you know, you built that business. It's just neat. Like I said, you know, be this entrepreneur mindset, you, you built one business and it's, you understand systems and the business side of it. So you can go right over here and learn a little bit about real estate and create a business over here. And so, and you did that. And, but then you've seen, okay, I need to hold these properties or create that passive income like you're talking about. So you started buying lots of single family homes, correct? And so you're like a hundred single family homes now that you're managing. Yeah. Kind of sounds like a lot to some people. We've got our friends that have 600 houses. <laughs> I want to be like them. I want to be like a big boy. But uh, yeah, 100 single family homes. It's pretty easy to manage that. I've, I've got somebody that manages the outside part of it. There's somebody that, that takes the phone calls and rents them, takes the rental applications and all that. So it's a pretty easy business to run part-time. Yeah, good for you. And then, so, but then you started learning about multifamily, right? And, you know, tell us about that process, you know, and why you would go from, 
this business that you already have established, you know, the, the, all these single family homes, why would you then venture into multifamily or even syndication? I always wanted to do multifamily and, and it always seemed diff too sophisticated for me. I don't know why. I just never really took a really hard look at it because, you know, you look at a hundred unit complex or 50 unit and you just think, you know, it's two, that's millions of dollars. You know, I don't deal with that. I deal with $50,000 houses or 75000 I mean, that's just way out of my league. You know, that's for the rich guys. But then, you know, a couple of years ago, I decided I was going to take a hard look at it. And I read a couple of books and I was like, no, it's very doable. It's very doable. And it's probably easier to do than, than the single family business. So it's just a mindset thing, you know, and just you don't know what you don't know until you look into it. So I'd say it's 99% mindset that it just looks like this big, ugly monster you don't want to take on. It's too scary. And then once you look at it, you break it down to little pieces. It's not a big deal. And so after reading a few books, I was like, I can do this. And so the next step was, hey, who can help me do this? So I started looking for mentors and coaches and groups that I could start associating with. And I found the Brad Summer group out of Dallas and um, uh, hooked up with, with that group. And so I go there about every, every month to two months and just uh, network and associate with folks that are in the multifamily business and so has built a really good network over the last couple of years doing that. I've got just folks that think like I do and are wanting to get in the business or are already in the business. And uh, it's just been a great ride. I've learned a lot and I'm not an expert by any means, but I'm learning really quickly and uh, starting to dip my toe in the water and have I had a deal last year that fell through and got a deal now. So things are starting to move in the right direction. So. Some key things there, you know, you talked about, you know, you found a mentor and then, and also a network, you know, and I just see time and time again, people who are successful in this business or in about any business, right? I mean, you're going to have a mentor or a coach, somebody that's helping you give you some guidance or keep you motivated or on track, something. And then also the network of, of friends or other investors that are, uh, that have been there and done that possibly, or, or, uh, or where you're at, at least in the process. Absolutely. You know, as Tony Robbins says, success leaves clues. Just go find somebody that's doing what you want to learn how to do and or find a group of people that are doing it. Join the group, work for somebody that's doing it or pay somebody to show you how to do it. And that's the quickest way to get from A to Z, man. Just find somebody doing it and attach your wagon to, the, <laughs> to their train or whatever you say. But yeah, and I've gotten pretty good at it over the years. If I want to learn, if I want to take my business to the next level or I want to do something different, I just find somebody that's done it. And I find a way to partner up with them. And it just takes you, gets you there a lot quicker. That's right. Hit your horse to their wagon. Hit your horse. That's it. Hit your horse (laughs) to their wagon. There you go. So you mentioned a a deal last year that fell through. Is that, you know, something where we can talk about and discuss, you know, what happened with that opportunity or that deal? Yeah. So I'd met some guys at one of these networking events and they had just gotten an 80 unit deal in East Dallas that I think is a $4 million deal. I had to raise like a million and a half for it. and. They asked me if I'd like to be a co-sponsor on it. And I said, heck yeah, it'd be my first deal. And so they brought me in to help raise capital. And, and I think they needed some some help uh, on the net worth part of it uh, as a KP. And so I came in on it and we raised the capital. Everything went really smooth. And then the thing caught on fire like uh, about a couple of weeks before we were supposed to close on it. Uh, the boiler caught on fire, took out the boiler and the chiller. And then the uh, that was a great lesson in how not to be a seller because these sellers just became very difficult to work with. I think they saw that they could fix the issues, put it back up for sale and make a little bit more money. I don't know if they did when it was all said and done, but they really put the screws to us. They made it really difficult to close. 
we had to eventually abandon the deal, refund all of our investors the money back, pay them some some interest for the time we held their money, and then uh, you know we were out. 30, 40 grand and due diligence costs and all that, which the sellers didn't care. They, they were going to get their, their money. So it kind of taught me a little lesson on how to do the right thing. <laughs> so don't always go after the dollar, you know, the extra dollar, just do the right thing. Yeah. It's a very small community. You know, I find in this syndication business, there's so many people that, you know, knows everybody. Right. And so, you know, when I hear stories like that, which isn't very often, thankfully, but I just feel like that person's not going to be in the business for a very long time. They're not looking at definitely a long-term approach. Maybe they have been. Some people manage to stay in the business a long time and, and keep ripping people off somehow. But tell us some things that you learned there about maybe how to be a, a good seller or some things that, that happened that you would do different on the next one. I really don't think they, they came out any better. I know they sold it after, we, after our contract bust. They sold somebody else. But I would just say, if you make a deal with somebody, follow through with the deal. Just do what you say you're going to do because you're right. I mean, it's a small knit group of people. And I, I can guarantee you that I wasn't talking highly of the folks after that deal fell through. And their name will come up someday. They'll want to buy or sell from somebody I've talked to. And, and it'll put a little, you know, that person's got in the back of their mind. Is this person going to fall do what they said they're going to do? And so I would say, yeah, in this business, it's definitely a relationship business. And it's just close knit group of people. Do the right thing to, with brokers. Buyers and sellers should do the right thing. You should treat everybody you deal with with respect and, and just do what you say you're going to do because they can come back to bite you. Sure. So this deal, you know, you all were just a little bit away from closing. It burns down. Part of it burns down anyway. I'm not sure the type of property, but the boiler catches on fire, burns part of the property down. So what happened and what should have happened? I mean, specifically, you know, in that process. Most times what would happen is the seller would assign the insurance benefits to the buyers and the deal would close. And then the buyer would fix the problem with the insurance proceeds. In this case, I think the sellers determined that they could get the insurance proceeds, pocket about $100,000, $150,000, and then sell it for more money if they fixed it themselves. So they would not assign the benefits to us and then just made it really impossible to close. So the easy thing would have been, and the thing that you hear about all the time when these things happen is the sellers do an assignment, they assign the, the proceeds and they let, the, they let the deal close and they let the seller fix the problem. There's also the greed factor in there. <laughs> you know, Some folks see an extra way to, to squeeze a little bit of extra money out of the deal at somebody else's expense. And that's kind of what happened to us, I feel like. So, But we've been gone. <laughs> I don't want to sound bitter. <laughs> no, yeah. Yeah. And you got to learn from it and, and do better on the next one, right? And, and move in. Thankfully, you all didn't get too caught up with that seller. I was just at a mastermind a couple of weeks ago and a guy that you know, he's a very uh, high level investor owns many, many, many thousands of units. And and uh, he had talked about he was in this. It's a similar process of what you're talking about. But he had had a property where the bowler or something did catch on fire or, or maybe just went out. It was something they were about ready to close as well. And but since this bowler went down, it wasn't an insurance matter. Yeah, so it didn't cause damage, but it did, you know, it did go out. And so they were in the process of selling and he replaced it. I mean, he said it was, you know, uh, I don't know if it was a couple hundred thousand, you know, to get all this done or at least a hundred. I, I can't remember, but, but, you know, out of his pocket, they fixed it. But what he didn't know at the time was, you know, he didn't know the buyer at the time. But then a year later, he's in this mastermind. And guess what? The buyer of that property is also in the mastermind he's in. So it's a small world, and but he did the right thing. He fixed it because it was just regular maintenance. It should, you know, he would have had to have fixed it anyway. 
and it was on his watch. Karma, man, karma. You know, the chances of you running into somebody you deal with on a transaction, if you, your chance of you running into them again on a deal or in the future is very likely. So yeah, it's just do the right thing. Yeah, yeah. So in the middle of a, of a deal now that you're raising for, you know, maybe elaborate a little bit on, you know, just the capital raising process that you've learned and, and some ways that you've been successful with that. Sure. So I have two partners, Carl Severcrop and Mike Van. We were purchasing a deal in uh, Pryor, Oklahoma, which is a small town just east of Tulsa by about 40 miles. And normally we wouldn't look in a, a market that small because it's about 20,000 people. It's a hundred unit complex, but Google is putting a large data facility out there. And so the town is just going crazy. I mean, there's just a ton of activity there. Google's building out infrastructure all around that area and everything's 100% occupied there. And they're not building C-class apartments there anymore. So we feel really good about where we're at on the rents and, and that we could slowly raise the rents. And, and it's, a, it's more of a yield play. It's already making money. It's going to make money from day one. It's not a huge um, value add. We're not going to put a ton of money into it. We're below the market rent, so we're just going to raise the rents over time, and then we, we have a plan to sell it in about three to five years. I think our raise is about one and a half million. We've made our raise. We've overraised. That's a problem that we might have to address. We've, we've got more money than we need. We'll probably have to give some back or take some $100,000 investments and cut them in half and give some of these folks back half their money or something. So the money came in so quick, we just all of a sudden we knew we had a couple hundred thousand too much. So. That's a problem I wasn't expecting. So, but the raise was really smooth. One thing I did learn on this is it is a group effort, man. You want partners in these deals. It's so much work getting these things off the ground. We've got a partner that's working with the brokers, you know, making sure all that stuff. I'm handling the legal. I'm handling all the money coming in from the investors. That's a full-time job. Somebody's dealing with the property management company. There's just so many aspects to getting these deals closed. I can't even imagine trying to do one of these on my own. It's a lot of work. I'm sure people do it. And maybe after I have more experience, I could do it. But it just seems like uh, this is just teamwork. Teamwork makes the dream work. <laughs> because you can all just assign, you can, you can all assign duties, you know, and everybody take a little the area of the process of keeping this thing closed and take it over. And you know, it's going to get done correctly. So my partners have been great. Everybody's kind of carrying their, their weight and things seem like they're going to close on time. And this looks to be like a very smooth transaction. What's a couple of ways that you're prepared for the capital raise to make it so successful? Successful being overraised that quickly is is great. That's a great problem to have, right? You know, so maybe what are a couple of things that you did to to be just this good at capital raising that fast? I got a little taste of capital raising on that first deal that caught on fire, and this one seemed to go a little bit smoother. I don't. I can't say that we really did a whole lot. I didn't go out and work people beforehand. I, I didn't take people lunch and go, hey. I'm going to find a deal. If I do, would you be interested in, you know, it was none of that. It was like, we found a deal. We put together an email. We shot the email out to everybody we knew. And uh, we followed it up with the webinar and we had our money. You know, a million and a half is not a huge raise. You know, I think our minimum investment was 35000 But when you start getting checks in for fifty, a dollars 100000 I think we had a one $200,000 investment. Yeah, that fills up pretty quick. Yeah. And what's been the hardest part of the syndication business for you so far, Rodney? The hardest part for me is I've been flying solo for so long. I've been a one-man show. You know, I've got employees. I'm the guy at the top, you know, and I have meetings. I tell people what to do. And I'm more of a top-line CEO manager. I handle strategy and I handle, you know, where are we taking this business? We're going to open a location, blah, blah, you know, whatever. 
this has forced me to get back down into the, uh, I'm getting my hands dirty again, taking investor money, I'm filling out spreadsheets. It's just a lot of work that, you know, I'm having to get involved with. And someday it'd be cool to build a team around that. But, you know, right now I feel like I need to learn the business. So I'm, um, I'm accountable to my partners. I'm accountable to the folks we're, we're raising money from, our investors. And just that accountability, this kind of new, I haven't had that in a long time, probably since I had a job when I was 26 years old. I, mean, I felt like I was really accountable to anybody. So um, just working in a team again and being accountable is kind of uh, it's humbling. <laughs> yeah. And so what's a, a way that you've recently improved your business that we could apply to ours? I'm so new to the multifamily. I would just say I'm building spreadsheets. I'm building processes. Everything I do, I'm trying to do it and trying to document how it went down and how I can do it better next time. That's it. Just processes. It's like any other business. You do it yourself a few times. You learn to build processes around what you did. So at some point, you could build a team to take over a lot of those duties that you feel like you need to get away from at some point. It's because, you know, at some point, you know, my goal at some point is just to raise capital and to look for deals. Look for deals and raise capital. Analyze deals and raise capital. And build strategic partnerships. I mean, those, those are the deals. Those are the things that really, that's where the rubber meets the road. And the faster I can do that, the faster I can do 15, 20, $30 million deals. Those first deals, four, four and a half million. I expect the next deal to be over 10 million, but the goal is to get to a $30 million deal in the next you know, three to five years. So that's the way we're going to get there is we're going to have processes in place and we're going to start building a team. Hopefully, we'll bring on an acquisition specialist at some point, administrationist person that does all the admin and uh, somebody that deals with the investors. And so I would say that that is it, just processes. What's the number one thing that's contributed to your success? I don't quit. I just keep going. When I started in real estate, man, I, my first three deals I lost money on. A lot of people would quit. I'm too stupid to quit. I just keep going. <laughs> I would say that for anybody in, in, that's going to go into business for themselves, you're going to get kicked in the growing several times. You're going to have setbacks. I see a lot of people quit. I see a lot of people give, it, give up and throw in the towel. You just got to keep going. You got to learn from your mistakes. And if they don't wipe you out, just learn from them. You got to keep going. If they do wipe you out, regroup, come back. <laughs> that's right. Sure way to fail is to quit, isn't it? Exactly. You don't fail until you quit. So Rodney, you've been a great guest. I really appreciate your time and just the value you've provided to the listeners. Um, you know, how, how do you like to give back? You know, I have an autistic son. And so every little spare bit of change and effort me and my wife have, aside from raising our kids and running these businesses, uh, it, goes to the, it goes to autism. You know, we, I've invested in an autistic community called 29 Acres, which is outside of Denton, Texas, and they're building adult living facilities for adults with autism. And so we're invested in that. And we're, we're trying to help grow that. It's going to be really something special. I don't think there's going to be anything like it in the country. So hopefully we're building a model for the rest of the country because there are a lot of kids now with autism that are going to be adults and they're going to need a place to live someday. And a lot of them can't live on their own. So that's a passion. And that's kind of where, how I like to give back. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. That's incredible. 29 acres. And if we can find a link to that, we'll be sure to uh, put that in the show notes. How can listeners get in touch with you, Rodney, and learn more about your business? They can email me, Rodney Miller at pobox.com, like post office box is the best way to reach me. Yeah. Love to hear from folks. If anybody ever needs help with anything, please reach out. Awesome. Rodney, thank you for extending that offer. I hope the listeners will connect with you. I hope they'll also go to 
LifeBridge Capital and connect with me and also go to our Facebook group, The Real Estate Syndication Show, so we can all learn from experts like Rodney and ask questions and and support each other and grow our businesses together. And we will talk to each of you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to The Real Estate Syndication Show, brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate, while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital, making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success.